Rugby Coach Weekly Podcasts presents Coaching Laid Bare with Lisa Bird Burgess and LJ Lewis. Welcome again to the Coaching Lay Bear Pod. Um, this week we're so excited to have one of LJ's um, good friends of ours, um, Rachel Lund, who um, we were, had the privilege of um, playing alongside and coaching and working with at Harper University. Um, Lundy, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? Hey, thanks, team. Thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm really good. Thanks. Really good. I'm um, yeah, really excited to be here. Actually, catching up with, uh, like I say, two old friends. So this is, this is I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. And um, Rachel, just going to do a, a little bio on you. So you began playing when you were six years of age at Moulton and Norton Rugby Football Club in North Yorkshire. Six yeah. years old. Wow, that's a hell of a career you've had. Um, and in 2013, you began studying sports therapy at the University of Worcester. And you, you actually played for Worcester, which is the club I'm at at the moment, in the Premiership. Um, and then you got capped for England in um, 2014 season um, for the England under-20s. And you've, you've played a variety of positions, which we're going to look at and talk later on. But you started off at fullback. And then, then you were capped by the England seniors whilst you're on touring, whilst they went on tour to Canada in 2015. And you were an EPS player for the 2015-16 seasons. But it was your, your career as well, combining your career... Um, as a sports therapist um, and a player, which we're going to explore a little bit more. And you're currently studying for a master's um, in physiotherapy um, whilst playing alongside, you know, for your team at Gloucester Heartbreak. So we're really excited to have you on the pod and um, chat to you this morning. So um, I'm welcome. And uh, uh, LJ, how are you doing this morning? I know you've been up, you've been to the gym, you've had your jab and little Patrick's knocking most probably at the door. How are you keeping? Hey Bird, hey Lundy, yeah, I'm uh, good, had a busy morning already before 9.30, gym, booster jab done, and uh, Pat- Patrick to school, so yeah, busy day, and now looking forward to chatting to you guys, so yeah, all good. Bring it on. Well, Lundy, we can't wait to get start talking to you, and um, I suppose first of all, the question is, we'd like to start with is, you know, can you just tell us about your rugby playing journey from kind of junior to senior? Um, you're playing currently for Gloucester Hartbury, like I said, in the Allianz. We, having played against you yesterday, you came away with a victory, so well done for that. But can you tell us about your kind of rugby journey from um, from six years of age onwards and upwards? Yeah, so, um, yeah, like I say, I feel when you say I'm six years old, that's at 27, that's <laughs> which is dreadful to say I think but yeah no I've um started when I was six come from you know rugby playing family um dad brother cousins you know they all um they all played some rugby and um yeah I just remember they, they I think they didn't actually have enough players one day um and I just got taken down because I think one of my dad's friends sort of rang and said does she fancy having a game um and I don't think my dad thought I was going to stay for, for very long if I'm honest I don't know he um he uh yeah, and then like I say, 21 years later, I'm still knocking around on the river pitch. But um, played for with the boys. I think I was the only girl up until I think it was under 11s. And then um, fellow teammate at the moment, Tatiana Heard, she came and uh, she came and joined me at Moulton Norton. Um, so yes, yeah, so I've known Tat for for years and years, which is why I'm still enjoying knocking around in the centres with her because we've been doing that for for a good few years as well. Um, and then and then we got to the age of I think it was under 12s when you couldn't actually um, play with the boys anymore, and so. We, went and bless my mum and dad and everyone and like I said Tat's mum and um, just basically started trailing us all around Yorkshire looking for for games of rugby to where we came across um, the other likes of Bianca Blackburn, Zoe Allcroft, um, played with those girls as well whilst we were like I say all roaming around Yorkshire 
Um, and then a lot of them went to, to Hartbury College at 16. Um, I decided that I was actually going to stay, um, stay in Yorkshire, stay at my school, um, just because I was already, I say, obviously, no, we're going to touch on my career, but I was already quite motivated about what I wanted to do. And I, I felt like actually I wanted to stay and, and get my A-levels done um, and get myself off to university to do sports therapy. And, and I think I was one of those weird kids quite early on that didn't really have too much choices to make because I kind of already knew what I wanted to do. Um, so that probably did influence, can I say, uh, choices, because like I say, a lot of my friends from Yorkshire kind of went down to Harper College at 16, and, and like I said, I made the choice not to. Um, but then, like I say, followed them in a couple of years later down the road, because uh, like I say, got, got my degree place at, at Worcester Uni. So that's where I went off in 2013 um, and did my three-year BSc in sports therapy, uh, which I loved. It was, it was, yeah, exactly what I wanted to be doing at the time, to be honest. Um, and then I went over and played um for the yeah the Worcester women at the time they weren't worried I think we just moved to Valkyries was our, our name towards the end of it and then um and then actually like I said then Prem 15s came along um and then and then I actually so I think I had four years uh, at Worcester like I said whilst I had my degree and then the first year after I graduated and then I think it's now um oh my goodness is it now my fourth season at Gloucester maybe my fifth season I think yeah. it's fourth season actually fourth. um yeah again I don't know all the years ago and it makes me feel very old if I'm honest by saying them all out loud but um so yeah so that's um that's where I've been and like I say there's um there's been some some real highs along the way if I'm honest so wow Could I, that was just when you were just mentioning a couple of those players names then wow what a, what a crew from up north it was that kind of you all and and it's so interesting now we talked to a couple of people about the fact that you know once you were playing at that early age there was nowhere for you to go so you kind of you, you were just really determined in what you wanted to do and it was really because your parents took you to the club and you know you played with the boys and that gave you that massive grounding in in um in rugby and and as you as you know yourself you played in lots of different positions but you know that great grounding understanding the game but I know it's something we're going to explore with you but you were quite um it's interesting as well from a quite a year, an early age you you knew what you wanted to do is there like a little background story on how you were so set on becoming a sports therapist or physio um I think it was my own broken body if I'm honest I was just <laughs> I was infuriated why it wouldn't work for me sometimes you know it's um I picked up um a, a knee injury I think it was when I was 16 um which I was I was actually playing um for North uh, North under 18s um, at Scarborough and um, we were playing in the Midlands I think and I actually got a phone call from um, the England and 20s and I said it was my first my first year I could play under 20s oh I think it was actually it was under 20s under 18s back then I can't even remember um, but basically <laughs> got a phone call to say could you come to France and play France play against Francis that weekend and I just hobbled off the pitch uh, with a torn meniscus which we didn't know at the time obviously oh, but um, that was obviously a real gutting point uh, and quite early on learned how to how to be injured on a rubber pitch and and be that kind of um, you know start that rehabilitation journey etc and um, there was a, a local lady um, up here in Rydale in, in, in North Yorkshire who, um, Janet, a lady called Janet Leck, who was, she, we, we used to call her the White Witch of Hovingham because some of the stuff that she would know um, <laughs> when she kind of walked in, she was fascinating and just the way she understood the body and, and that really kind of drew me to, to why, why the body breaks down, how we can help it, how we can fix it. Um, and I, I have that, I have that kind of desire anyway, to, I like helping people. Um, and like I said, I like fixing things. I like I sort of problem solving. It's kind of, it, it's probably just one of those sort of inherent sort of personality traits that I think I maybe have. Um, and so like I say, combining that with a bit of a broken body from quite a young age and a bit of a fascination about how the body works, um, and sort of led me to Janet. And then, um, 
basically I did my year 10 work experience again throwing it back to many many years ago but did my year 10 work experience with her um and was just uh, yeah besotted with the fact that she, you know people would come in with with real problems and injuries and and issues and actually an hour later they could be walking out the door feeling a lot better a lot more sort of positive and motivated um and so then I got a little part-time job with her um, after I sort of finished my year 10 work experience. I used to go after school uh, on an evening and um, I used to kind of write up clinic notes and do her admin and sort of be a bit of a secretary really. But um, again, just loved it because I was in and around it. And, um, and then she was the one really that sort of guided me and sort of said, she had quite an unusual career um, in terms of how she became qualified. Um, and she sort of said, look, do you know what? I think you'd really fit with sports therapy. Have a look at that as a degree. And, um, and that was, that was it. Like I say, it's sort of, 15, 16, 17, I was kind of already set on, on what I wanted to do. Um, and like I say, yeah, it is, thankfully it worked out because, yeah, I still very much, very enjoy being a sports therapist and, um, and, and the profession that I'm in. Wow. And you do an amazing job there, I know. I, and because you're from farming background as well, Lindy, aren't you? Yeah, that's yeah, that's actually where I am at the moment. I've, um, I drove up from the Worcester game last night, and I've, um, I'm back at the parents' uh, in the, the dairy farm in North Yorkshire. So, um, so yeah, so that's farming background, um, and and yeah, like I say, it's um, grew up here on on the farm. Mum and dad milk about 130 cows, uh, which we just finished up this morning actually. Um, uh-huh. And so, so yeah, so it's like I say, um, very rural, but a little part of the world. Um, lots of rugby being played here. There's not a huge amount of, everyone always says to me actually from being a northerner, they're like, why don't you play a league? And I was like, do you know what? There's actually just not a lot of league goes on around where I am. It's a union, to be honest. So um, that kind of answers that question. But yeah, but yeah like I say, parents, parents are farmers and, um, and that's, that's all I've ever really known, to be honest. But that's a fascinating insight into the fact that, you know, you yeah. put yourself out there as well. You did all that work, you know, with that sports um, therapist that gave you that kind of insight into that side of it. And, you know, I think you summed up yourself. You definitely, you know, you want to help people put things right, most definitely. But that's a wonderful insight into you know, any young people listening as well as going out and getting that work experience, giving up your time to understand and, and learn a bit more. Elsa, I know you've got a question. Yeah. Um, first of all, Lundy, <laughs> obviously, I know you very well, but the- the moment you go home, you sound so much more northern. <laughs> <laughs> that's because, that's honestly, that's because I'm now floating. I've been down in Worcester for sort of seven years now. And um, I'm yeah. floating around and I spend time in the, in the north and people get, oh, you sound real southern now, don't you? You've lost your accent. And then I'm in the south and people say, oh, God, you're northern, aren't you? So I can't win. So I feel like whenever I go home, I just like to sort of top it back up again, if I'm honest. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. I love it. I really love it. Um yeah so just moving on a little bit so great really great insight into you know the why of the journey you kind of went on but can you give us a little bit more now around when you went into studying so you mentioned you went to Worcester um, and you went to Worcester rugby club as well to play how did you manage juggling studying and obviously the game at that point was transitioning wasn't where it is right now and then as you evolve that conversation a little bit around kind of moving into a full-time role and then and then obviously the game kind of moving into well TP15s as it was then and now Alliance. Yeah it um do you know what, looking back on it it's um especially you already touched on it, obviously at the moment I'm actually back at back studying again doing my master's in physio but um I look back on it and I just think it was just a blur it was just um a total blur of um sort of being like a student athlete um I was like I, said, I was doing a, a quite a tough quite a tough degree there was quite a lot a lot of content there was a lot of learning um it was very sort of science-based in terms of anatomy physiology um and then like I say especially especially in that third year when I was combining that with um like an EPS training commitments playing commitments um gym commitments 
it was it was really tough. Um, I did. There was some quite tough conversations, um, especially in the beginning of that third year, where I thought, should I go down to part time and try and finish this over four years rather than three? Because I just wasn't sure how I was able to you know, manage my time and get all my training done, eat, sleep, you know, the, the basic essentials. But um, I think I think probably any I think anybody sort of 19, 20, 21 kind of in those similar positions There's loads of girls these days that are you know, that are competing at top levels and uh, in the rugby field and actually, you know, combine that with studies. And I, I, I think they probably all appreciate and sort of probably vouch for those tough, tough couple of months where, you know, you've got pretty much everything's just coming at you. Um, and I think, I think it has probably instilled quite a good, um, I always laugh about it now, but, um, you know, when people say they're busy, um, you know, my tolerance to when they say they're busy, I, I'd say I've got a, a pretty high threshold for, my friends always laugh at me because they think I fly around like a, like a blue ass fly but actually I can say I think I know my capacity of being busy and I think that was probably a really good um standing point in terms of understanding time management trying to get everything done organizing prioritizing um you know especially as a uni student making making choices around you know socializing and choices around training and how that affects things and um yeah there was a lot of learning done there I don't I definitely wouldn't say I smashed it I, I you know I was uh, I got a 2-1 in my degree which I was happy with considering but I think you know I probably if, if rugby hadn't been a factor I think I probably would have pushed myself to try and get that first first uh, first class degree but I mean it, it hasn't had any repercussions for me I think that's just me being trying to hold myself to a to a standard I guess but um, it was tough. I think like, university was tough, but I think it was probably one of the big things that drew me back to going, well, do you know what? You can definitely do a master's because you've, you've been there and done it. And actually, you've, you know, you're a bit more switched on and a bit more kind of uh, worldly wide, I guess, now um, going back and doing it. So, um, so yeah, so I'd, like I said, I did the, did the degree in three years. And then um, between my second and third year, basically, with, with, with my choices around rugby, between my second and third year, I had to get 200 hours after I finished sorry, after I finished second year, I had to get 200 hours of work placement done. Um, and that was for my degree and that was kind of mandatory, but you actually had the option to be able to do your 200 hours. Um, as soon as you finish second year, you could start them in the summer. So I thought most people used to do them during um, from September through to May time. And they'd usually pick it up with sort of a local rugby team and do Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. But obviously given my playing commitments, that was just not going to be an option for me. So, um, so I, basically um I was in camp actually that was um kind of I was think I was it was my first CPS camp actually I think I was sharing a room with Meg Jones at the time um and I knew she was at Hartbury and uh I basically just you know my mum always told me you don't ask you don't get so I asked Meg if um if she'd pass on the details for the head of medical at um at Hartbury College and she did and um a guy called Tom Creswell is is who I emailed and basically just sent a really nicely worded email which he actually complimented me on and said was probably the only reason he gave me the choice uh, gave me the the placement because he thought I had a, a well worded email um so that's another tip that I always tell people is that the the power of a good a good well-written email is is probably something that's going out the window a little bit but that's um thankfully how I got my six-week work experience between um between kind of second and third year so by come first of September I was already done for the 200 hours and it meant that I could carry on my playing and, and not have to kind of think about that in third year um and then that basically um, rolled into uh, I finished my degree um, and then I actually got a phone call from Tom um, at the end of my end of my degree saying kind of what are your plans now and 
I'd actually got a little job working at the university. It was just, it was a little salaried role that I thought, perfect, this will do, because it'll tie me over and sort of work out what I can do next. And it was, it was working as a, it was called a graduate ambassador. Um, and it was basically going around schools and colleges, talking to kids about going to university, um, not specifically Worcester, but just kind of the world of universities, UCAS, personal statements, that kind of thing. Um, so I did that. Um, that was actually supposed to be a full-time job, but Tom said, please, can you come work for me part-time? Uh, I can get, you know, give you sort of 16 hours a week if you could come and work for us. Um, so I sort of snapped his hand off and said, yeah, absolutely, no problem, I'd love to. Because um, obviously, again, sports, you know, sports therapy, I didn't actually want to be a graduate ambassador, obviously. Um, and so, so that's what I did for, for, again, for another year, which was another mental year. I was sort of working 27-hour contract at Worcester, a 16-hour contract at Hartbury, and then I was squeezing in, um, squeezing in some rugby training and some playing around it, um, which, was, which was funny, because I was actually, one of the teams I was looking after at Hartbury was the women's rugby, the senior women's rugby. So back when they were their last year before TP15s for Gloucester. Um, so I was working with Susie Appleby. I was, um, you know, I was actually joking about this the other day because one of the players I looked after was Hannah Jones, who I now is one of my teammates because um, she was obviously studying then at that point. Um, so, so yeah, so that was, that was, um, like I said, that first year. And then that rolled basically into an offer for a full-time gig with, with Hartbury as a sports therapist in, um, that must be 2018 then, no, 2017, sorry, um, 2017. So, um, but with that came a kind of a, would you please come and play for us as well? Um, kind of conversation, um, which was quite terrifying to be honest, because I was, I was, I really loved Worcester. Um, had some, a really good group of girls. Um, we were very competitive in the league. We had good coaching staff around us and Hartbury, well, Gloucester Hartbury at the time was pretty much the, the brand new and unknown. Um, and obviously like I said, I, you know, I played with, uh, sorry, first aid and been med medic for a group of those players. And like I said, I was, it was, it was quite a difficult, difficult choice because like I say it was, it was also back in the time when players didn't move clubs. Um, I don't know if you've yeah. touched on that with other people, yeah. but it was, um, it was, it was a, I, yeah, I remember it happening and I just, I mean, I had to do it because I, I wanted a full-time gig in sports therapy. That was, that was the end goal. And, and a place like Hartbury, which is, you know, top class in terms of its medical provision, it's, it was, it was a bit of a no-brainer, but I was very, very nervous about, you know, the conversations around leaving because I did love Worcester and there wasn't, there was no real reason to leave, but um, but yeah, thankfully, uh, lots of other top class players came along with me. And, and like I said, I think we ended up finishing fourth that, that, that first year in the league. And, and like I said, we haven't really looked back. So um, it was it was it was a tough decision at the time. But um, I mean, now you look back at it and you laugh, don't you? Because players chop and change clubs <laughs> all the time. Um, but at the time, it was a real big deal that I was leaving Worcester. And like I said, that loyalty and um, and sort of staying, staying true to, to a club that I'd been at for, for a period of time was was quite a difficult thing. Um, oh, yeah. And then we pretty much, like I say, yeah, and then, and then like I say, uh, joined full time in, in 20, 2017, 2018 and played there and worked there up until August this year. So, um, which like I say, I feel like I've blinked and it's all happened and gone. But um, yeah, like I said, that was probably four years ago. Lundy, I'm exhausted listening to you. <laughs> you're, you're tight. I know you're a busy person uh, and also having witnessed your uh, work ethic. Uh, not just as a player but as a a work colleague I know very much how what busy means to you so um, I can back up a lot of those points you've made um, just touch a little bit on that kind of transition to actually then having a job because like you know obviously I've I've seen that tr transition of the game players moving clubs players having to work some players not having to work just explain a little bit around how important it is to you to have 
your kind of journey which now is becoming into a physio while still achieving what you want to on the field yeah I think I think it's definitely it's it's tough isn't it because I think I, I think there's different personalities out there and, and people probably like myself that just sort of feel like you, if you're doing something you're doing it well and, and you're going to try your best to do it and I think that sometimes probably where I've kind of burnt myself out a little bit perhaps because actually like I say you know if I'm working as a sports therapist at Hartbury College I'm like you know really proud to be doing that and I want to be doing that to the best of my ability and and you know for the good of the team um but equally it's, it's a case of juggling that and how how much of effect kind of uh, a working status and there'll be loads of girls in the league that can vouch for this that probably have more demanding jobs to me to be honest so you know there's those people that are doctors and fire service and policemen and that kind of thing that um you know that they uh have to make quite difficult choices around how how much they prioritize their work and how much they prioritize their their playing career and and really, um, you know, I can't thank Harper enough to fair in terms of how much they supported me during those those first sort of three, four years. Um, it was actually kind of my contract was was quite flexible around my training commitments. And, and like I said, I had some really top class bosses that um, and support that actually kind of facilitated me being able to have, um, you know, a day in the week um, where actually that was, you know, because I was playing on a Saturday, that was a day off in the week for me. And, you know, I still had to kind of make sure I, I fulfilled my commitments with my, my teams I was working with, but it was, um, I was yeah, I, could, I couldn't have, I couldn't fault the support I was given. Um, and even then I was still, <laughs> like I say running around very very busy lady but um so like I said that my, my hat goes off to those girls that maybe don't have that support from work and you know they just have to fulfill their duties in their time because like I say I, I found it tough um trying to compete at the top level trying to get myself in an England shirt and and like I say still fulfilling my work commitments because I was in a place that was, was very very um very very good at kind of accommodating my working commitment um so yeah it, it was yeah it was tough and it still is tough to be honest but it's I think, it, I think it probably does come down to what I said earlier about um, choices that you make. Um, and that's one of the big yeah. things that young players will, will have to learn. Maybe the hard way, maybe, the, you know, maybe they'll be switched on from the start, I don't know. But it will come down to kind of what you prioritise and and how you kind of look at things and what you really want to, you know, what you want to be able to control and what you can't control. Um, just during, during that period as well of kind of having a full-time job, trying to compete on the field as well. I know you did your ACL. Mm. Um, were there any moments during that where you thought, do I go off now and just focus fully into this job route or do I keep going? Like, was there any moments? Oh yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That was, that was, um, that was a tough one because I was actually already carrying um, a pretty rubbish little shoulder to be honest. I'd had an op on it already and then um, came into that season, September through to December um, with a, with a newly operated shoulder that was not dislocating anymore and it was lovely. And then um playing waspies actually um we yeah just hit a ruck which again is why I stand by the fact that I shouldn't be in rucks um <laughs> and hit a ruck and it, it came back out again and then we basically just kind of managed it for the rest of the season but with a bit of a gammy shoulder to be honest um that loved to sort of slip around and do its own thing and then um the plan very much was the off season I was going to get it kind of operated again properly stitched back up and and should have hit the ground running for the, that season and it was the last game of the last game of the year um against Saracens in that playoff final that we had um where yeah where like I said I got a, a pretty poor tackle and um and like I said ruptured my ACL on it um which was yeah totally gutting because like I say you um you, know, you can plan for these things and especially having that medical appreciation for what's going on um you kind of know what's coming if 
well, you do and you don't. There, you do often say that we doctors make their own the worst own, their own worst patients in terms of they won't listen to their own advice and they won't <laughs> like what they're doing, uh, which I'll, I'll vouch for. I, I can definitely agree with. Um, I definitely still push push our current physio Morgan. I definitely still push her to sort of tell me yeah, what I might like to hear rather than what professionally I think I probably should be listening to. But um, yeah, it was at the time it was. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was in complete denial. I'd actually ruptured my ACL. I actually thought it was meniscus. I, I still remember to this day kind of tootling down the road to Bristol to get my scan and, and meet the consultant. And um, when he said ACL, it just hadn't even, it hadn't even crossed my mind. And I just sort of sat there in complete shock and thought, oh God, that's, <laughs> that's not what I'd planned for in my head. Um, but again, maybe that's my sort of medical, um, medical diversion. I thought, yeah, it's a bit meniscus, a little trim, sort of three month that'd be grand. Um, and like I said, I didn't expect a 15 monther with, um, with the way the seasons fell and everything. So had my ACL done and then three weeks, no, um, yeah, three, about three or four weeks later, then went and had my shoulder reconstructed as well. Um, so that was actually a very fun rehab because um, I was a proper challenge for the s coaches because there was all sorts of limitations on what I could and couldn't do. Um, and then, like I said, the way the seasons and, and the kind of break in the year and stuff fell, it was sort of a 15 month injury. And during that time, I definitely, yeah, you'd be lying to say, you know, I think I was 25 at the time. Um, and you sort of think, well, you know, um, what you know what's it worth I guess and really I think um I think I had like I had a really good sport team around me um I think I was kind of at the time my boss kind of recognized that you know rugby wasn't going to be the priority getting me fit was was the priority but actually you know the stimulus I was getting from rugby wasn't going to be there and he actually pushed me towards applying for this scholarship um that through the society of sports therapy so I, I won um which is class actually I won a trip to to America for 10 days it was kind of an all expense paid trip um, where I basically went in and shadowed um, a NCAA kind of collegiate level university medical team. Um, totally different worlds, um, a lot more cash lying around over there than there is over this side. Um, I actually watched an ACL reconstruction, which kind of made me feel a little bit squeamish, if I'm honest, because I just had mine done. But, um, but, uh, <laughs> oh. but yeah, that was that was class. And I think I think um, I just had to sort of mentally just shift my focus to work. I think that was just kind of. And like I said, I had a, had a, a boss at the time that sort of recognised that, and, and you know, he was he pushed me hard to kind of develop myself as a sports therapist then because I couldn't necessarily develop myself in other ways as a rugby player. Um, obviously, I had my kind of plans to get my myself and my body fit, but I couldn't, you know, as naturally there's things I couldn't do um, as a rugby player at that time. And um, like I say, so that was that was one of the pretty cool things that came out of that year because um, again. Hartbury supported me in, in being able to sort of take that time off to go out to America um and and yeah and like I say it was I think I think I think it I don't I wouldn't say I lasted very long on that sort of train of thought of oh maybe I should sort of retire here um because I just still felt like there was more to give um and that's probably where I'm still at now because I'm battling around I mean I'm very sore today if I'm honest from a, for a tough Worcester game yesterday but like I say I think I think there's just still more that I can give and I think that's probably when that burns out I think that's probably when I'll, I'll probably try and bow out of rugby but whilst I still feel like there's uh, something to push me on then then I think I'm going to keep going for as long as I can. So Lundy oh that was so interested to hear all about your journey and how you've applied yourself throughout your whole career you know, making a real conscious effort to um, pursue your career and put in that extra time. And it kind of brings me to think about athletes now that are offered full-time contracts, not only in rugby, but in other sports. And, and how important do you think it is, um, having gone through that journey, of having another opportunity? Because you, you yourself had two pretty significant injuries, which you had the mindset to recover from and come back from. But, you know, Today, athletes get that full-time career. Um, but, you know, how important do you think it is to have that backup if something goes wrong? 
and the emphasis on that? Yeah, I think I think it's massive. I think as much as we love the game, it, it doesn't last forever. Um, and like I said, I know there's, I've got, um, you know, I've got a couple of friends that, you know, male friends that, you know, playing playing the Premiership and, and you know, having an exit plan is, is just huge. And I think it's obviously, it's been pretty well sort of in, ingrained in, in the men's game because obviously they're, you know, they're a lot further along in their sort of professionalism and that kind of career, career path. But I think it, I think it's huge for the women's game. I think making sure making sure that they have plans and backups and, you know, you know, really tough, tough last sort of 24 months or so for, the, for those sevens girls um, who, you know, bless them, they, they had kind of the world at their feet playing, rocking around the world in the sevens circuit. And then all of a sudden funded was pulled and, and, you know, I, I can't imagine how hard that must've been. And I think, you know, having, having a backup plan in terms of a career and, also something that will focus them because it's not even necessarily having a job and obviously there's the, you know there's the financial aspect of being able to pay your bills and and your rent or whatever but I think actually like I say that there's a, that type of people that are sort of top performers and kind of elite athletes that they need something to, to stimulate them and to kind of drive them and I think finding that is, is absolutely crucial and it would be a huge piece of advice I'd give any kind of young player coming through in terms of making sure that they understand that you know as much as they love the game and as professional as is, is it going you know in terms of you, know, you can get paid to play for clubs these days. You can get contracts, sort of part time, full time. You know, it's um, it's massive and it's and it's class for the women's game. But equally, you know, there will always be casualties of it where it doesn't necessarily go right. And you know, with a, whether that's injury or that's funding or, or whatever circumstances, there will always be unfortunate casualties that come off um, and maybe don't get the kind of <laughs> don't get the fairy tale maybe after. And I think, like I say, sort of um, safeguarding themselves and sort of ensuring that they do have that as a backup is. Oh, just it's massive it's massive and it's do you know what? it's probably it's probably one of those um because somebody actually asked me the other day because they thought I came to Hartbury as a student um which I never have and I've never studied there and um and maybe that's what I was doing at the time I thought well do you know what actually I'm I'm, I'm dead set on making sure I get my degree and I, I go and get some some good A-levels at the kind of the, the college that I was quite happy at up here in, in Rydale in Yorkshire and um you know maybe that's at the time that's what I was thinking but you know, like I say, that's very different these times where there's, like I say, there's money floating around, there's contracts floating around, you know, and it's, then there's a lot, there's a lot more girls playing rugby these days, which is class, but, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it would be a huge piece of advice I give to any kind of young player coming through that they need to get themselves, you know, head switched on in, in rugby, but also in kind of what they're going to do after, because like I say, it doesn't last forever, unfortunately. Also, maybe uh, if you didn't have that, Lundy, when you did have your period of injury with your shoulder mm-hmm. and your ACL, you know, your outlook might have been very different because all you had was your rugby, but because you had rugby, but you were also identified through your career um, and your kind of goal with that, you mm. could then put a bit more energy into that. So then you yeah. never kind of lost either no. path. You could still just rejuggle where, where the path went rather than, yeah. well, now that path stopped. What do I do now? Which happens a lot, doesn't it? We've, we've all experienced that with athletes, haven't we? So... Yeah. Exactly. I think I'm very lucky in that sense because um, because I still get my rugby fix, um, or at least I did. You know, at Hartbury College, where I was, I was still working. Um, I was actually working with the under 18 girls rugby players at the time, and then I moved in my second year. Oh, sorry, my, in my third year there, I, I moved to under 18 boys rugby, and I still got that rugby fix. I was still involved in that team, uh, in that environment. Um, I still got to watch some cracky rugby. Um, you know, I still got to be part of that. But obviously, you know, it was in a different context as a as a professional and as a, a staff member rather than a player. But um, you know, obviously I still got to have that fixed, but um, I think, like I say, I think making sure that 
that players they have those opportunities to to go elsewhere and think of something else like say juggle those different paths if one of them was like say quite abruptly close um, like say my, my, you know I, I yeah if I hadn't if I had that my career as a sports therapist if I hadn't had that I, I don't necessarily know where I'd be in terms of what I'd be doing um yeah professionally and playing wise I don't know where I'd be if I'm honest um yeah so it's, it's, it's really good then. That's, that's great advice again for any young person listening is to make sure you've got those options mm. available because nobody knows, especially in these times, you know, what's going to happen in the future. So it's really important. And not everybody's going to be a full-time rugby player. So it's how you combine those both. And some yeah. great, great advice you, you've given those little nuggets there to anybody listening, which is brilliant. But I want to just take you back, Lindy, to something you touched on earlier about the scholarship to um, you, you, you um, were lucky enough to get to go to America. That sounds amazing. But how... Um, how important do you think it is to gain experience in different sporting environments um, to kind of further your career, but also your understanding about um, physiotherapy that you, you actually work in that your field, but also, you know, sport as a whole. Hmm. I think it's, I think, um, to be honest, I, I just, I do just love sport. I think there's, there's not many games of, or kind of sports that I, I don't often watch and go I kind of appreciate and enjoy an athlete working well and, and performing well. I think, and that probably reflects in some of the different things I've got involved in um, over the years as a sports therapist. I've, I've worked in netball um, with the Super League, and that is just one of the most mental sports. Those girls are next level impressive in terms of how they move. You think there's a ball thrown up in the air and you're watching them going, they're not going to get to that. And all of a sudden they've just plucked it sort of two metres out of the air and it's, it's class. Um, there's I've worked in American football. Um, I was really lucky enough to actually, still rugby, but I actually went and um, kind of worked a season with the England under 20 women. Um, so like Kath Cassidy and actually Joe Yap at the time, I was sort of helping them guys out on their camps and their game, which was class, um, just to sort of see it from a different angle. Obviously, I've been in that environment as a player, but to actually have a year um, kind of working alongside them from a professional point of view was was really insightful to be honest um and then like I said you always twitched on the um the trip to America which was my god that was just a totally different world um like I said we we thought we were pretty cool at heart because we had um a couple of game readies flying around and we were dead proud of the fact we had those and, and like I said they've got them just sort of hand them out like sort of like little snacks if it was uh if it was anyone ever needed anything and um and yeah, it was all just kind of one big, one big setup over there where actually, I actually, I was only there for 10 days and, and sadly I actually watched a, a, a women's soccer player, she probably called them soccer, not football out there, but a soccer player um, who basically ruptured her ACL on the training game. Um, and within the time I was there in 10 days, she'd been, she walked in, she was jumped straight on a game ready and then she was literally just walked next door, they knocked on the door and it was a consultant in there, had a quick catch, catch up with the consultant. He said, yeah go down the corridor, go to the MRI unit. She had an MRI and um, came back and sat down half an hour later. He read it and he went, yeah, I'm really sorry, but you've just, she hadn't even, she hadn't even stopped sweating. I don't think from the actual training game, if I'm honest, I don't even think she'd, she'd be, it was, it was craziness. It was absolute wow. craziness. And then by the time I left, like she was the ACL um, reconstruction that I actually watched in surgery because he then takes her to the hospital sort of down the road a couple of days later, he kind of took her down there, got her booked in and she had her ACL reconstructed. And then like I said, and that was, uh, yeah we, we think we're pretty quick in terms of um for our women's women set up in the league you know we we've got pretty good medical setup at Hartbury in terms of our insurance policies and stuff and actually um yeah I, I was I was a month um kind of post post injury to actual being on the operating table and um we were I was pretty chuffed with that I thought it was pretty quick and pretty efficient and like I said this girl blew blew me out of the water so um so yeah, like I said, just different, just different ways of things, doing it, different experiences. Um, and then like I said, particularly the last two years at Hartbury where I was working with the under 18 boys rugby, 
um, which I absolutely loved. It was, if I'm honest, probably my two favourite years at Hartbury, um, just because... Whoa, 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 careful. <laughs> whoa, whoa. What, you <laughs> what about the few years with me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to get a reaction there. Um, yeah, no, so... You got one. I did, didn't I? That was a good bite. Um, no, yeah, so I, I, it was... Um, it, to be honest, that those it was different. It was class for different reasons. I had I had a fantastic coaching setup, obviously, with with when we're working with LJ, obviously. But I think in terms of the players, <laughs> well recovered, well recovered, with, Lindy. Thank you. Um, but no, in terms of the players I was working with and, and the motivations and the desires that they had and the competitiveness of that league, um, and then combine that professionally with working with. I think this last season, I think I had seven different sort of Premiership or. Pro 14 clubs that I was working with and, and therapists that I was working with in terms of shared players. Um, we had quite a few Welshies and, and quite a lot of actually different players, like London Irish, Bristol, Gloucester, Worcester. Um, it was it was it was class because I, I was learning from different practitioners all the time. Um, and so that was that was a totally invaluable experience and, and probably actually one of the big motivators as to why I'm I am where I am right now because um, kind of felt that I'd hit a bit of a ceiling as a sports therapist and, and was getting kind of conversations around job offers um, from, you know, from other from other clubs and kind of things in terms of what I could offer as a physio for them. But sadly, wasn't a physio. Uh, I was a sports therapist. And and that is, I mean, that's probably an own, its own podcast in itself in terms of the world of sports therapy and physio. But um, I say, I think it was it, that experience and the opportunities that I got from different places, I think were were big motivators for, for why I'm here now. Because like I say, I, I think I'd, Come, we come back to my personality type trait in terms of I felt like I've sort of hit a bit of a ceiling at Hartbury in terms of the opportunities I had and, and the progressions I could make and but still felt like I had loads and loads to learn and, and loads of different things I could do or wanted to be able to do should I say um, and that's why like I said probably led me down the path of my master's and, and to get my physio degree and, and be able to go and practice as a, as a healthcare professional now. Wow. Just um, Lundy just touching on that uh, physio element um could you just explain a little bit more so obviously you did your sports therapy degree but now you're doing your master's in physiotherapy just explain the the process of that just so that we can yeah. understand no no it's fine so, yeah so basically sports therapy so I did a degree um so I uh, accredited by the society of sports therapy which is kind of our governing body um unfortunately it's basically sports therapy is not a protected title so um you know you guys could go and do a college course for over a period of, a period of months kind of on a weekend and come out at the end of a college course and call yourself a sports therapist as well um, obviously, you know, if you're applying for jobs, it would look different in terms of a, you know, a, you were accredited to the Society of Sports Therapy and you could have a degree versus a college course. But ultimately, it, it, it puts a proper ceiling in terms of how far you can go because um, we're not we're not kind of um, sports therapists aren't enrolled to the healthcare professionals council. And, you, you know, you're not um, an allied health professional, um, which basically there's, there's quite a lot of governing bodies in the world of sport that don't recognize sports therapists as being a appropriate medical provider um even though like i said i'd feel quite confident you know in most sort of sporting settings at doing a good job for somebody but equally uh, i understand why i understand why you know i haven't been you know the, the world of sports over whilst it's not a protected title um and like i said people are all you know you guys right now you could do a little online course and call yourself them you know it's it's difficult whereas you can't call yourself a physiotherapist unless you have done a degree that is um you know accredited and there's no other way of being able to call yourself one um and really for me uh, uh, you know uh, where I got to like I said I spent five years working in sport um which I absolutely loved and I absolutely wouldn't change a, a single bit of it but I also kind of got to the point where I felt like I had a, a set of skills and like I said this this desire to help people and problem solving that 
Um, I felt like I was fairly limited to the scope of which I could do. I think I was I was limited to obviously that sporting context, whereas I've actually just finished um, six weeks uh, placement on um, a little a little community hospital near Worcester called Evesham, uh, where I've been on the MSK outpatients. So I've, I've been looking after, I think my oldest patient I, I saw was 89. Um, and I think the youngest one I saw was 13. And I've, I've seen all sorts of different conditions. Um, and you know, I've got, like I say, a really nice background of, of musculoskeletal from my sports therapy setup. But um, these people are just totally different. They've got a different set of goals. They want to be able to get up. One fella just wanted to be able to get upstairs. He was living with his daughter at the time because he Aww. couldn't get upstairs to go and shower. And so he just, he, you know, whereas, you know, I didn't even have to ask my players what their expectations were or what their goals and desires were because I knew them because they wanted to get on the back on a pitch or a cot. But, you know, now I'm, I'm in a whole new world of just being able to help people in and, and help them really meaningfully, but help them in a totally different way. Um, I don't know if that'll, I don't, I, I think I probably will end up going back into sport with my physio degree, but for now, and like I say, for the next year and a half, whilst I'm finishing my degree, I'm, I'm absolutely loving just going to totally do new different environments and, and seeing what, what, um, what worlds, world physio can take me into basically. So sometimes though, it's good to, even though you want to go, probably want to go back into sport having those different experiences will make you a better practitioner when you go into sport um, exactly. and also those experiences will make you be um, more empathetic when you then go back and work with athletes but also a bit more of a reality check when an athlete probably is pulling in the wrong way because you're about to say hang on a minute at least you can get up yeah. and down the stairs do you know what I mean yeah. like it helps you in both ways doesn't it yeah it just it just puts a different lens on it to be honest that's how I've kind of looked at it is that I, I understand this that the core principles of what I'm doing aren't vastly different to what I've done for the last five years but you know even even the simple things like trying to assess somebody's knee for example and I would you know I'd just get somebody on a bed at a uh, heart and I'd just sort of say right let's have a look at your sort of flexion extension whatever but even patients that can't lie down you know and how, how do I assess yeah. their knee when they come in for a, a half an hour appointment but actually they're really really uncomfortable lying down or they're too old and frail to be able to kind of assess them properly you know just I think that's probably one of the biggest things I've enjoyed about the last six months of my degree was it's just been a new challenge. It's just been something else new to get my teeth into. Um, and like I say, I'm learning loads. Um, and I'm, as well as I've only really touched on the musculoskeletal side of it. We haven't even got to the sort of neuro and respiratory. And, um, you know, that that's going to be a whole new world because I haven't got anything to draw on from that, to be honest. Yeah. Wow. It's really, I'm really excited for you, Lundy. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I look forward <laughs> to seeing where it takes you because I know, I know what you already offer in your role as a sports therapist um just touching back on the sports side of things as a therapist is there any like moments of learning for you when dealing so athletes are, are one thing but maybe dealing with like that wider support team coaches snc um any moments where you were you're like that's a really valuable skill to have obviously your hands-on treatment's really important for the athlete mm. but is there anything else that you would say don't just think it's about the hands-on stuff like there's a there's some holistic stuff that's really important no loads like just loads if I'm honest in terms of I think I think because obviously degree can only prepare you for so much but I think actually going out and doing it and interacting with people that are actually injured and that are uh, because you know when we're when you're studying at university you're just practicing on your mates in your class and you're just kind of you're not really having to deal with the whole um the element of kind of the stresses that they're under um the the emotion of being injured the dynamics of working in a team of playing within the team I think it's um that's yeah that was been that was huge to be fair and I think um I think really I think the biggest thing I kind of learned was having an understanding um I think 
I think probably one of the quite unique things I offered to my athletes was the fact that, especially during that ACL year, was when um, I just had a, a lot of appreciation for what they were going through. I had quite a few few of my players that did actually pick up some ACLs um, and they were you know, <clears throat> mentally, physically, emotionally, um, you know, psychologically, they were really struggling. And I think being able to offer that empathy and, and go, do you know what, I've been there and yeah, I know what it feels like. And I think working within that wider support team probably one of the biggest things that I um, probably took from that from personal experience as, a, as an injured player but also sort of how I like to work professionally is kind of making sure everyone understood timelines and, and expectations of that athlete and and what was and what was to be to be understood and I think probably one of the biggest learnings is that when you promise a coach you're gonna have somebody back in two or three weeks time and it's actually two or three weeks time and then ain't fit already um, you know managing that managing that coach managing managing that player I think it's it's been huge and that was Probably why I don't. I still. I mean, I actually had that last week in in hospital where somebody asked me if they'd be, you know, back driving in six weeks. I was like, I don't offer timelines to you, unfortunately, because I'm only going to make myself, um, you know, liable for you to kind of come back and say, hey, it's, it's, it's that time, and we haven't got there yet. But I think in terms of working with other coaches, um, I think I had some, you know, some interesting experiences um, and some challenging experiences to be honest, because it, it takes a lot of confidence to to back yourself almost in those sort of hard conversations, especially when you've got you know, big games and, you know, important players that play, you know, coaches naturally want on a pitch and, and they're, put, they're challenging you and pushing you. And I think um, that's probably one of the biggest learnings I had when I first graduated to kind of myself now as a, as a practitioner is that I feel that, you know, having the confidence in yourself to, to clinically reason, you know, why you think actually uh, uh, an athlete isn't maybe fit for, for availability and, and being able to kind of you know, back yourself a little bit. I think that's actually one of the biggest skills because ultimately, you know, a coach, they're never going to override you. you uh, I know. Um, I know. Holly, my, my old netball coach from Hartbury, used to sort of say that you know I was the queen, and she uh, she used to listen to me because I I pulled rank, um, which I obviously uh-huh. enjoyed her probably that if I'm honest. But um, but actually, like I said, I think I think having coaches like that were fantastic in terms of you know what I said goes because they they trusted me, and and I think um, because I was very lucky with some of the coaches that I had that that I had that backing. Um, but equally, you know that they're naturally always going to push you, and I think. Um, it, it does give me an interesting perspective, especially when I'm now, you know, no longer involved at Hartbury and I'm very much away in the NHS now. But, um, you know, speaking to players about kind of injuries and coaches and conversations and stuff, I think it gives me quite a unique perspective. Um, it probably gives me a bit more empathy to coaches, if I'm honest. I've, I've had conversations with patient, with, um, with you know, teammates. Yeah, it does. It gives me a bit more empathy to go and how, well, hang on, actually, you know, when, when uh, especially when you, you, you have been one of those people that's behind the scenes and you, you know all the work and the effort and um, the emotion that goes into being a backroom staff and a coach and um, how much time and energy. I know, I know players like to think that they are kind of, the be all and end all and the most important people but actually there's an awful lot of work and, and effort and time goes into to putting together teams you know in the tp15s or prem 15s at the time and you know i think it's um i say yeah there's, there's been many conversations where we've we've as a team we've had conversations around things that maybe we would like to improve and i've probably been that annoying player that's gone well actually hang on a minute have you thought about this have you thought about that because like i said i've had that background and that my experience as a as a as a as a medical staff and a, and a staff member at, at the institute so quite a unique perspective i'm sure i annoyed plenty of people by um being the devil's advocate that was going well hang on girls we can't be that moaning about this because of that um and they've got oh yeah okay fine um but like i said i think i think that's probably one of the big things is just that it offers that unique perspective um which which yeah which i'm really thankful for because like i said i think it's maybe quite a rounded practitioner now and uh and a rounded player as well i guess 
level-headed is probably a good word to use uh, Wendy. <laughs> yeah I've, heard, I've probably heard that one before I think I probably have heard that one before I think um yeah I don't, I don't, I don't like to um I'm not I, yeah I wouldn't say I was a hot-headed player or, or person necessarily I think um I've probably got a, a way of thinking about things and looking at things and, and offering a bit of a perspective um not always correct definitely not always correct but I think um <laughs> it's uh probably like I say that's probably where I've got to like I say as a as a accumulation probably reflecting on the last sort of 10 years of my life probably why I've got to where I am now in the way I you'd probably say call me level-headed probably because of like I say some of the experiences I've had yeah so I could definitely oh honestly Lindy that's just it's just been fascinating talking to you and learning so much more about you I thought I knew you but blooming heck you're like you're like a bottle of pop you're so enthusiastic and and just everything you said there's so many learnings there for so many people I think level-headed definitely but also reflective and and clear and driven and so full of enthusiasm I I, I literally can't wait to see where you go I think it's so exciting you're doing what you're doing um, both on the field and off the field and it's just a pleasure honestly I've got a huge smile on my face still just listening to your journeys and experiences and really excited to see where you go with this and thank you so much for, for um, spending this time with us on a you know we're so close to Christmas as well it's been so exciting talking to you and interesting thank you but Bless, but um, we're going to finish out with uh, with Sir LJ's quick fire questions, which is just a little bit of fun, and uh... <laughs> they're, they're, they're still Christmas themed. They're from last week because I figured we're still not at Christmas, so we we still need to go with the theme. So um, and Bird might change her mind, so you never. Know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <out>. So <laughs> Christmas pudding or chocolate Yule log? Yule log, all day. Pudding. <laughs> Yes, Lindy. <laughs> last week we had Amy Amy Turner on last week, and she was with Bird Christmas pudding. I was like, yep. "What Christmas no. pudding? <laughs> Love it." Um, are you a Christmas Eve or a Christmas Day person? Christmas Day, Christmas Day, definitely. Mm. All the turkey. Look at Christmas. You don't get turkey on Christmas Eve. <laughs> what were you, What were you again, Bird? I, oh, I love Christmas Eve because they're the, just the kind of suspense and just all those you know the little kids' excitement. I love Christmas Eve and then again last one just to help a little debate in our house what do you leave for some mince pies or cookies well i mean i like I said we touched that already i'm a dairy farmer's daughter so we actually used to leave silage um which is like basically what we feed the cow <laughs> so, <laughs> I, can't one. I know so it's basically like what we feed the cows and we we basically grew up and we'd leave a little bit of silage and a pint of milk because we're dairy farmers i'm That's not what we- I'm not being funny. That's totally thrown me. Silage. That stuff stinks. <laughs> little bag. Little bag downstairs. <laughs> that has totally thrown me. That's Silage. <laughs> I love that. Did you get many yeah. presents as a kid? <laughs> Santa's like, no thanks, I'm not going there. <laughs> I love that. I have to agree with you on the pie, on the milk, though. We used to leave milk for Santa when I was a kid. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. We usually oh. whiskey drinks. So whiskey. my dad's drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. And and Lindy, it's been a real pleasure. Good luck with everything. Good luck with your studies and just good luck on the field as well. And you know, really hope we can catch up soon with you and have a proper catch up and a coffee. It'd be great. Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks very much, guys. It's been um, yeah, it's been class catching up and um, two faces I don't see very much anymore. So it's um, it's been a real treat of mine. Thank you for having me.
Thank you. Thank you, Lindy. Well, this is it for this podcast um, and this year. So thank you all very much for listening. Um, we really look forward to catching up with you in the new year. So have a wonderful Christmas and, and new year, everybody. Stay safe. And um, if you want to hear more, please visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button to visit the women's section. Have a safe and happy Christmas. Love to all. Stay safe. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you.